Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Flurza Experience. As exactly. we, oh, you know what? We forgot to, we totally forgot the standard a- intro, which is Jin Dobrejeci. Jin Dobrejeci, indeed. Yeah, that's my bad. Well, either way, we'll get it better for next episode. Yeah, this is a show about Gwent and so much more. I'm joined by the incomparable communicator, Pavel Burja. How are you, friend? Wow. Wow. I like, I love your introductions. Uh, I, I, I like it. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm that good of a communicator, but I try. I think it is. I think it is my job. So I need to be for, like more or less fairly good at it. So I, I, at least I try to, you know, yeah, to don't, get that right. Don't use this platform as a, as a way to lose your job. That's not how we want to do that. That's no, what, no, that's no. for me to do. <laughs> that's my, that's yeah. my risk. You, you don't take that risk. But uh, yeah, incomparable communicator, I think is a, a, a decent one. Beautiful. We've had, yes. Beautiful. We made it. Episode seven, man. That's a lucky number. Seven is a lucky number, right? It depends because seven, mm-hmm. I mean, seven is lucky in certain cultures. 13 is actually unlucky in so many, but it's a very lucky number apparently in like Italian culture. So oh. it depends. So I'll just say that it's a lucky number because A, we got here and B, hey, it's you and me, buddy. You exactly. And me. So can't be better. Can't be better. So, uh, but the thing about it, like, is when you say lucky numbers, like, you'd think that with uh, the amount of lucky numbers that exist, that some of them would rub off on me. But in reality, flake luck is stronger than any other type of luck. And, <laughs> and, and luck and I don't typically mix. We're like oil and water. So it's not a but, good mix. But you've been, like, lucky, I think, this weekend, right? Like, this past weekend, I think you top eight at a tournament, right? Is it, is it I true? I did. I did. <laughs> Excuse me. So, um, there is the, what's called the ProQuest, which is essentially these, these tournaments mm-hmm. that go, oh, that are around the world where if you win it, you're on the Pro Tour for Flesh and Blood. And okay. I finished second seed, uh, moving into the top eight. And in the top eight, I got, I was like, I'm trying to like put a, a, a compare. I- imagine, imagine it's you're going into round three, up three cards in Gwent, and you have yeah. all of your golds. Uh, it Ooh. should be easy peasy, right? Yeah. Well, I ended up losing to a very, Ooh. very calm, collected uh, player by the name of Raymond Chow. And I will always... Uh, talk about this guy because he's one of the nicest dudes in my area and he's an excellent player and he beat me but uh, I had to t- afterwards I had to be told like the, the place where I played this tournament was uh, at a LGS called Harry Tarantula and I had to mm-hmm. and again I'm not I never played in many tournaments um, you know in other games I've really Flesh and Blood is the first one where I've really dipped my toe in as a competitor and uh, I had to be told by all the pros and I'm talking about like like national champions and whatever they had to sit me down and explain to me they're like dude you finished second seed in what is widely considered the 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 hardest tournament in in north america which is the harry the harry tarantula pro quest because the best players uh typically are at that tournament and i finished second seed so that is my little feather in my cap you're selling yourself short that's what you're trying to tell us right here well (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of imposter syndrome where I mean, okay. I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate, maybe yourself as well, but sometimes you figure that things in your achievements that you've you've accomplished are not based on your own skill set, that they're I undeserved, you know? And that is something that I've really had to struggle with, whereas in reality, all I all I really lean on sometimes are the failures versus how how far I got. And I mean, that's why yeah. I wrote the, that's why I wrote that Channel Fireball article because it, it really helped me. And it's funny because after I lost, they're like uh, they're like someone's like, dude, just go re- reread your article. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess because <laughs> I did lose off a of misplay. Your article and learn from it, right? Basically, basically, yeah. it's been a good weekend though. 
that amazing good i mean that's that's awesome congrats man thank you so much thank you Dziękuję. Dziękuję. <laughs> okay on the show today we'll be talking about our favorite card games so that's always that's always awesome i kind of, i think we always kind of you know get derailed and talk about our favorite card games so that's that's standard um where does gwent rank for us in this ranking and brand new word of the week as always so polish Bob Marysia, uh word of the week that's going to happen today and we have a special segment which we we're talking about in the previous um episode but if you missed the previous episode so we'll be joined by Celie Thea and Alias V to discuss last week's submitted fan question um so that will be a separate segment we'll be just sticking around and listening in and kind of moderating the conversation but I can't wait for that because it's going to be awesome and these ladies are amazing so super super awesome to get them here and it's it's our, it's our first like I remember we were saying like it's, it's <laughs> going to be cool to have a guest but we don't have one guest we have like three guests so that's even better absolutely absolutely and uh this is going to be a very broader scope conversation and getting in as many viewpoints as possible obviously but we brought in essentially um three of the most significant you know, women in card gaming, which is, you know, there's yep. Celia, Tia, and, and Alias. I mean, Alias is not just one of my closest friends, but she's also somebody who has blazed her own trails in Amen. this industry. Uh, it Through Gwent, through uh, Magic, etc. She's not only a wonderful broadcaster and human being, but she's also, a, a, a you know, an A-plus card player. Like somebody who exactly. w- wins tournaments, gets to the top rankings, uh, you know, very frequently uh the other outlier to this con that conversation was i tried high and wide to get in touch with radu andrada who has been at an open she has competed at an open and um i i I think i say this all the time i've said or i've said it all the time anytime someone brings up radu andrada i always tell people i'm like if ever i had a secret crush on anybody in the gwent community (laughs) it's her so when i got completely just dusted by her, just just instant ninja dust, just not even a just smoke and mirrors, just goodbye. <laughs> it's like not even a, a response. I was like, yeah, that's about right. Like, <laughs> I just yeah. totally felt it. But she's a yeah, busy she's woman. Amazing. She's busy yeah. as hell. So I would imagine that. She's uh, super busy. But that was that was part of it. It was that she wanted. I wanted to get her on, but she was mm-hmm. busy and um, yeah. Uh, it was flake in high school, which was ask ask a woman <laughs> to to help you out or, or to you know to do something and then just get completely ninja dusted. Yeah, but first <laughs> we got to get back to normalcy here, which is the Dagon rumor report. So please, Mr. Powell Berger, hit the hit us with the news. So. Uh... Well, as it would be, I just returned from the Council of Elrond in Rivendell. You might know the place. And after conferring with the stewards of Gondor, the Prince of Mirkwood, and Gandalf himself, Gandalf himself, <laughs> I can f- confirm that there are whispers from the mines of Moria that Dagon is absolutely not going to happen. Zero percent chance. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that is epic. That is very epic. And you got everyone together, frankly. I mean, the last time that all yeah. those people got together was to destroy the One Ring. But now there are exactly. more, more important things. Just They're looking for Dagon. Yeah. It's like, where, where's Waldo, but where's Dagon? <laughs> kind of like trying to pinpoint where he's at. It's, it's just an over, uh, like an overhead shot of like that that final battle at Minas Tirith with all the orcs and whatever and then yeah. you're just looking through the crowd of orcs and uh, there he is he, there he is right there he's we in the crowd him. got him but yeah he he wasn't there apparently so 0% chance 0% chance he's busy doing Easy. other things you know yeah. what are we going to stop doing him? Dagon stuff 
Fish Ooh. God stuff. What am I, a doctor? Let him do what he wants. Let him do what he wants. He's probably <laughs> sipping a Mai Tai in, in Bermuda somewhere, having enjoying the beach. Exactly. Leave him alone. Enjoying life. All right. Way back machine time, and uh, we went into the old time machine and went back to figure out what was going on in Gwent this week in history. Uh, let's go back to... I'm going to go back to 2018. 2018. 2018. Wow, we're, we're going back, man. That's four years ago. It felt like yesterday, but 2018 uh, was when Challenger occurred in a salt mine, which is hilarious because salt and Gwent players mix so perfectly sometimes, but uh, Challenger was in a salt mine. You were there. Tell us about that. I was there. I was there, and I got to do a little like co-hosting gig in the beginning of the of the thing. It was in Vilichka, which is uh, fairly near Krakow. Um, and uh, we did there this Koyatel-themed um, Challenger um, because, yeah, dwarves, mines, it all goes together. Uh, we had a lot of cosplayers there. We had uh, Jorvet himself uh, coming to that one, which was which was amazing. And uh, yeah, it was it was one of the I think one of the coolest locations because um, the thing that was most interesting was actually taking all the equipment and hauling it down all the way I don't know how many feet down into a salt mine. It was just like a real real salt mine. And the funny part is that we only had like one part of the mine to ourselves and the rest of it was pretty much open to public. So there were like when we were rehearsing and setting up, there were people like walking around and, you know, because it's a tourist attraction here in Poland. So they were kind of going through and, you know, checking stuff out while we were there, you know, uh, setting up computers for, for a card game, which was like... Who would have thought that could happen? It yeah. was very hard to get in there because, like I said, it, it is a, it is you know, it is protected in some way because it's like you know, it's one of those places that is very iconic. Like you go there as a kid to learn about history, um, learn about the mine, and kind of like how salt was extracted from that. And and still, you can you can't. I mean, you still can get salt out of there, but pretty much now it's just tourist attraction for people which is amazing because these days the way that you extract salt is uh, by playing um you know guerrilla tactics or uh, nilfgaard that's usually the best way yeah, to extract or salt or lippy oh yeah that's easy that's yeah. squeeze the salt yeah, right out a lot of salt from those tears <laughs> oh man i i think of all of them i mean i was my first foray into gwent broadcasting with cdpr was at the uh the the skellige one and that what to me was such a spectacle there was like the fire show oh. at the end and the the just all of the you know the flash and bang of of having an entire village set up for these events and you hosted that one it was awesome i remember you hosting it and then and kind of your energy there was was amazing so <laughs> i had to uh, impress plus it was plus it was outside it was that was the best part we actually you know you have this whole thing like all the equipment which was necessary for the stream itself was 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 kind of in like a like these metal containers uh, that were kind of set up just for like a like a field trip let's say um esports event but all the cables and stuff was kind of going through like just like a field because it's a, it's a fort that is close to Warsaw and you know it is something that is used on a, on the weekends for like viking um like a viking village type of thing where you can bring your kids and there's chickens running around and we had that we had chickens there was like other farm animals there so it was really cool there was th that entire th first of all there's a couple things about that um that that 
whole setup that were amazing. One was, yeah, we were like the whole village was set up and we were, I remember it was myself and Ashley's were on, on top of that like little tower area. And when we introduced it, there was supposed to be this shot of the drone going through the front gate, going up high, seeing everything going on. Everyone had their choreography down, uh, which was really cool. That was awesome. The fact that there were just animals around during rehearsals yeah. and everything was pretty hilarious and just seeing uh <laughs> seeing the 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 kurchakis <laughs> is that it was perfect it was great it was awesome and ultimately that is where i think i got really i kind of started found my found my swagger when it came to interviewing people because i had to interview so many people and, and ultimately very good with the questions well but eventually it got to a point where like i you interview the same dude over and over like i interviewed demorkies like three times right yeah. so you kind of for, you run out of things to ask them particularly or specifically rather because you've interviewed them so much so that was the one where i just asked them i'm like do you like my han solo socks and he just <laughs> looks at them he's like which was which was perfect i guess i mean i mean i i think people enjoy that a little bit more when you kind of go off script and you go into funny things because like how many times can you ask them about you know the best plays or why did he choose this deck versus this deck? Or was he trying to counter this versus that? I mean, that's that's all fun and great if you're really like into that. But I mean, we have an analyst desk that will go through that stuff. Sure. And you as the interviewer, you can ask like, well, what's that dog behind you like I do? Or, yeah. or like, you know, kind of just funny <clears throat> stuff. Like you can't be always asking like, what do you think about this opponent? Or how you think your lineup will be against that guy? It's just to try to, you know, do something different uh, this time, right? That's what I try to do. I mean, part of it is also the fact that it's, you know, everyone's there to see the top level gameplay, obviously, but there's personalities yeah. behind those moves that are that they're making. So it's nice to learn a little bit of these people. And I knew that like Tamorkis and I had spent uh, a couple days together by then and hanging out and mm-hmm. having drinks and, and eating together and just enjoying each other's company. And then ultimately, you know, when, when you become friends, it's easier to just sort of throw a curveball yeah. to that degree. Not to mention, there was a few, few situations where I was like, I'm sitting by the fire. There's a fire burning like later in the evening. There's like an owl next to me. And if yeah. there's a, a, a little slight gust of wind, as you're speaking, you just get this face full of smoke <laughs> and you're trying to figure things out. Your eyes are burning. There's an owl staring you down like he's gonna yeah. maul your face off. And you're like, all right, keep yeah. calm, composure, ask the right questions it was awesome though it's like being outside in the wilderness almost kind of type of deal it was a brilliant and i honestly yep. I, I mean who knows what would have happened if uh, covid wasn't a thing and we had two years to continually perfect these Ooh. i still think that a, a wrestling themed tournament would be what i want to put on but hey Exactly. Uh, While still we had Tailbot, so everybody could bet on Tailbot. Oh like my he's gonna God. just destroy everybody because he's like the, the, the god. Yeah, so he's he, just, just like, exactly. Now he retired, but maybe we can still get him as a wild card. I don't know. Oh, like a secret entrant into like a like a yes. Royal Rumble. Like he comes in with the money in the bank case. He's like, oh my God. Oh, my, that's Tailbot <laughs> with the briefcase. And he's exactly. Sit. And right Last after. The past. Here we go. <laughs> right after somebody wins an open, he just comes in and, and cashes in his thing and just 1v1s them for the title. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that, that would be, be really cool though that would t- be really cool i'm telling you i don't know how many more podcasts i have to do and tell people that it's a good idea no. but uh, people are like shut up like we, we hear you <laughs> um 2019 to this week Dun-dun-dun. in 2019 three years ago the first ever expansion set for gwent was released that would be crimson curse and i think yeah. it still sa- stands as my favorite i think way of the witcher is up there for me as well but i think crimson curse might be my favorite set ever 
Yeah, I'm a Novigrad boy though. Um, Novigrad introducing Syndicate, but yeah, this was this was an awesome, <laughs> awesome. It was our first one. It introduced a lot of mechanics which are key right now. Well, maybe not all of them are key right now, but we had uh, the introduction of poison, bleeding, shield, and vitality. So vitality for sure and bleeding are things that people play around with still. Um, and yeah, we had uh, we had uh, these awesome uh, five new leaders come to the game at that time, and then I remember we did those leader videos for them. And for us, also internally, I remember it was a transition period where we were moving the Gwen team closer to um, the development team, so working closer with Jason and, and and the rest of the gang. So yeah, it was fun times. It was fun times for sure. And yeah, was a was a really really cool expansion and. And having Death Lava as, as the main theme, having a lot of vampires everywhere was super awesome. So, it was beautiful. Yeah, it, fun the, memories. The cards in that set were excellent as well. I mean, that's where you got things like, uh, you know, like Death Laugh and Consume was great. Back mm -hmm. when Overwhelming Hunger was a, a three times Consume uh, option, which was cool. But, uh, I mean, let's be real here. There's the, just some of the mechanics that were introduced that are so prevalent and important today like you yeah. said bleeding vitality those are just come hand in hand but the fact that poison was introduced that um i think i've mentioned this before and we've spoken about it but poison was laughed at po if, if, for those yeah. who are not aware yeah, i, I mean if you're new to the game poison was it was envisioned as a very low tempo garbage element to the game kind of maybe a toss a, like a toss in of a new yeah. keyword or whatever a new status but in reality i think it was pumpkin who just said no uh, let's play around with this and made exactly. a Poison-related Scoia'tael, and ultimately then Masquerade Ball came out, and it was all over. Mm -hmm. And Poison was an yeah. enormous, uh, enormous factor. Yeah, it was it was super good. And uh, I, I also, like, I think a lot of players took it for granted, but Pumpkin was playing around with it. And then, you know, if you just had, like, he was playing Scoia'tael, so if you had two Dryads and pretty much, you know, you, you could destroy the highest point unit easily. So This like, was before you know, Veil, wasn't it? Yeah, this was before Veil. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. Veil wasn't even a thing. Defenders, I don't think, were a thing. Yep. Or um, so um, you had free reign with poison, and it it really exactly. boggles my mind because I I come to think of it, you're looking at this, you're thinking, how was it that back then without veil, I don't even think was purify a thing. I don't think purify was a thing. Um, I think there was only remove no. lock. I think that was there. Yeah. Lock so was there. So without purify, without defenders, and without veil. People thought that poison was was not good. Was garbage. So without any of these fail saves, and then ultimately defender comes in, veil comes in, purify comes in, yep. all to kind of obviously they do other things, but just to sort of counter the poison strategy. And poison yeah, was still strong. It's yep. fascinating how these opinions kind of switch up. But all right. So today's Good episode: hundred cards, thirty-one neutral, fourteen faction, uh, for, like per each faction, fourteen. So a hundred in total, and was really, really good. What was your favorite card out of that set? I, I just had a curiosity. I think, ooh, I think it was Oriana at that time. Um, I really liked that card. Um, anything pretty much like all the vampires that gave bleeding. I also was happy because we introduced Siana there. Um, so there were also <laughs> like a lot of cards which were like Artorias Vigo was there also. Like a lot of cards which were tied to blood and wine and i love blood and wine like it's my favorite um expansion for the witcher 3 wild hunt so it was just perfect the theme was just perfect and all the all the versions of that laugh and blood moon uh was introduced mm -hmm. then i mean good times there was a lot of good times it was yeah. it just really really uh i think it was a well fleshed out set the theme was on point and everything yeah. just was uh 
Everything was great. Uh, I had a thought Indeed. there, and now I lost it. So, that, but that happens very often. Oh, well. Well, well, well. Yeah, I, I get you. I have the same thing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on this train of thought, but then I start talking about something, and I forget. It's yeah, like, oh, it, it'll come to me, like, at 9 p.m. tonight when I'm, like, practicing yeah. for a pro quest or something like that, and all of a Good. sudden I'll be like, oh, right, Regis, Regis. And they're like, what the hell are you yeah. talking about? Write to me about it. I will. <laughs> I'll always write to you. Oop. You know that. Every now and then I send I you a message just telling you I love you. Just like that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's really amazing. Cool. <laughs> we should start it's a page. It's amazing because not many people do it. Well, I look, I, I'm of the mindset that um, there's no reason that you sh shouldn't tell someone that you love them. If you love them, you love them. Just tell them. It's because they exactly, might forget. You know. So what is what is there to lose? So Nothing. There's um, a lot to gain, though. Our favorite card games, and we always bleed into these topics very often because we've played so many card games, and you and I have even last episode talked about how um, after I apparently, I, and I don't recall this, but I beat you at Gwent and yes. apparently was very trigger happy mm -hmm. on the emotes in that game. You yes. then returned and absolutely posterized me with uh, with uh, in, in Magic. But our favorite card games, we've played so many, and I know that for myself. Oh, I remember what I was supposed to say. Oh, Bingo! That's what I there wanted to go. talk about. We're gonna rewind a little bit here. When you mentioned Sienna, I remember that I uh, I have two videos on my YouTube. I don't do YouTube anymore, really. Um, mm -hmm. But I had a video which was I think it was five or six cards that never never made it to print, and one of those cards was a version of Sienna that wasn't an order effect. It was an ambient effect. It was like as long okay. as Sienna was on the board, all of your deploy effects were doubled so it was a, it was mm -hmm. a constant thing so that was a card that got really out of hand but um if you dig sounds fun if you dig deep enough in my youtube you can find two videos of uh that are like top five cards that never got printed and some of them are ridiculous ridiculous um all right favorite card games ever you and i we talk about them so Ooh. many times um I've played easily 20 different card games, some of them like just once, but at least 10 of them I've, I've put many hours into to play. And I just want to ask you one thing. This was a question that was actually sent in um, via Twitter uh, DM from um, Aditya Malia, who often um, sends in questions, and they want to know, Basically, where did Gwent get its name? And I said, I don't know if Pavel knows that, but I can definitely ask because I certainly have no idea. It was uh, briefly mentioned once in, um, in one of the books that is pretty much saying that it was a dwarven card game. Um, it was Gwent in Polish uh, because that was when the original text came from. Um, and then we localized it to, to you know, to, to English and other languages, but uh, got its name Gwent. But like Gwent, which came from um, uh, Sapkowski's books, um, was pretty much... It, the, all they said was it was a dwarven card game. That if you lose, you get hit with a stick, and that was kind of um, that was that was everything that was explained about the card game itself. So you lose, you get hit by a stick. Uh, um, so yeah, that's that's where the name came from originally. So it came from the book. So it's uh, you can say it's more or less lore accurate. Of course, it was uh, fine-tuned to 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 fit the English language as well as other languages in which Gwent is localized. Which I think there's like eleven or twelve total. So quite a lot. Well, um, you get hit with a stick. Sometimes it feels like that when you're playing. Yep. And uh, your last card in your deck is your Siege, which just sits there mm -hmm. beautifully. <laughs> um, and nothing happens. And nothing happens. Uh, so in terms of like favorite card games, we've played so many. Um, what are some of the more obscure card games that you've ever played? I have so many weird and wacky ones that I've tried that actually they're not like 
flash in the pan kind of they, they were actual card games that people would play and they just went defunct and no one played them but uh, I just want to I'm just curious about you because I know that you've played lots of magic you've played magic with me and and I'm mm-hmm. wondering if there's anything else that you've ever dipped your toe into like uh, I think that the worst card game I ever played is just like traditional like card game <laughs> like like poker or something like that maybe, worst? maybe the, really oh, no no actually actually poker is poker I enjoy but like other ones that feature like normal cards like there's there's war when you just just like throw cards one on top of the other and it's nothing really happens that, that one i didn't really like um i played pokemon the card game as a kid um i played of course like magic was my first one uh, because that was back in in middle school if i remember correctly um then after that yeah i played a little bit of pokemon when i came back here to poland because pokemon was was the thing at that time but for me like the most important thing with that card game was pretty much just collecting cards i like collecting cards uh just for the like collection value there was also like these small cards which i was collecting which were like dragon ball z cards um because i loved dragon ball z as a kid um but I don't think I played it in any way. I don't know if you had also the ability to play them because they were like cards that you collected from from bags of chips and stuff like that. So <laughs> I don't think they were something that you would uh, play at the time. Um, and apart from that, I pretty much it was MTG and, and, and Gwent. Like these are the two card games that I've been kind of going back and forth. Um, to be quite frank, I never played Artifact. I remember I, I got uh, Artifact on um, on Steam. Never never played it. And it's we talking about this, library. This was gonna be the CCG to end all CCGs. This yes. was this was the CCG killer, like the big Kahuna. Yeah, that was supposed to come and like wipe the whole hey, CCG market. Pour one out for everyone who's still there for the long haul. My uh, yeah. my my cheers to you, friends. I have yeah, I'm some. Gonna, I'm gonna take a sip of water. Yeah, I I have a little bit of. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I probably have. I don't know to you, but I my disdain for that game came from certain people from the community, uh, whom shall remain nameless not who you think by the way that um uh, basically would they would on one tweet I, i'd stop if i've said this before but like on one tweet would talk about how the 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 economy for the game was so uh, dynamic and so welcoming because mm-hmm. you could go and pay real money for a, one particular card you wanted through the Steam Marketplace. But then an hour later, they're tweeting about how they bought every single copy of a particular card so that they can make tons of money and scalp those cards. Mm-hmm. So you're like, mm-hmm. it's li- it was literally like, F you, you, you jerk. Yeah. Like, you're literally... An hour ago, you're talking about how it's so it's free market. You want a card? Why open packs? Spend like two bucks to get that one super rare card you want, and then your deck is complete. It's so it's saving you money. And then a tweet later, like I have forty copies of this. I just cleaned yeah. out the entire marketplace. I'm listing mm-hmm. them one at a time for like thirty dollars a piece. So it's like you jerk. Like that. That's what turned yeah. me off from it was some of the hypocrisy of that community. I played the game. I played Artifact. I thought Artifact was a very, very brainy game, and it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. However, I had like streaming the game, watching the game being streamed. No. This was, yeah, it was, it was a game where, first of all, the RNG elements to it were a little bit tilting to a degree, mm-hmm. but the game itself I thought was pretty decent. It just had very little appeal from a spectator perspective because you couldn't, like, if you if you look at. Um, let's say you look at a, a, a Hearthstone board or a Gwent board or a Magic board, you can kind of, to a degree, assess immediately what the situation is. You look at a, um, if you look at a, um, 
an artifact board. First of all, you're looking at one of three boards that exist, and you have no clue what the hell is going on. Yeah. So it, it was difficult to get into. The sort of the price of entry from a pocket perspective may have been okay, but from like a, a, a mental perspective was really taxing. Yeah, it was it was difficult to understand that even when people were streaming it and trying to explain like every play that they did, you still did not did not get like how is this three things supposed to come to one? How do I understand this? The only thing I, I liked about it is they introduced these animated little like fluffy like you know avatar pets things that they had there. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, those, um, those were apart, nice. Apart from that, it was super difficult to understand the game. So, and I think, um, yeah, one thing is is they had, you know, they had scalpers, which is something that also happens in, um, in MTG. Like people buy out cards like crazy, which are worth like I don't know a couple cents, and then their price goes up to a couple bucks. Uh, but still, it's I feel like they they have it more contained because it's it's there. The kind of the marketplace was inside the game, so it was much easier just to like pull it all from one source. Uh, while MTG, you know, millions of people are opening packs everywhere and they're selling it on card markets and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's much more manageable um, and prices uh, don't change so dynamically. While here it was just crazy. And I also think um, they wanted to be competitive, but the problem is like if you wanted to play competitive, you had to like uh, also pay for it or something like that. I don't I don't remember exactly how it was, but there was something also there which wasn't like 100% that people were complaining about. It was it was it, like fascinating kind of just how it it was marketed to a degree and a lot of the marketing came yeah. from the fact that there was a lot of top tier players in the world that were known for other games that were um lured is not the word i, I don't want to say lured be, but they were interested in the game and they were given an opportunity to be sort of part of the marketing process for the game mm -hmm. itself and they were the front facing element to sell the game and from that perspective that's where the tweets of like where people are like oh it seems like an expensive game to get into no it's not it's blah 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 like they you could tell when they were trying to market the game and you could tell when they were just themselves trying to show Play off now. about you know yeah. how how they're gaming the system so it was a little bit two-faced in that degree which really turned me off i played the game i played about 40 or 50 hours of the game privately mm -hmm. i've streamed like three hours of it until i realized that nobody was following along or understood and it was hard for yeah. me to explain um and uh so um yeah, they I, had a really good like marketing campaign for it they also had richard garfield on it garfield was the the guy who originally um you know uh was the creator of magic and kind of worked on the balance in the beginning of the game um so yeah and plus it was backed by valve so everybody was saying like yeah this is the card game killer it's gonna come it's just gonna destroy the market it's gonna be number one um i remember everybody was afraid at the time uh we were like wondering like what's going to happen with it i think people over at blizzard were also thinking about like if if it's gonna you know um jump over hearthstone and stuff like that but it turns out like later in the in the uh in the, in the development that you know they i think they kind of got into a place like streaming was difficult um the esports part wasn't really going for them so it kind of uh went away and the only thing that remains right now is like how many people are playing um, artifact.com. I think there's that, that website is still up, so uh, you can check their current uh, number of players. There's uh, like that, like the game itself was 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 good and all. And when you talk about Richard Garfield, um, Richard Garfield also created a game that 
came after Magic called Battletech. I don't know if you ever heard of Battletech. It was like a mech-based game where you kind of had lands, but there was it was a little bit of a, a cleaned-up mana system in the sense that, yeah. like, for instance, if you have a land war elf, but you have a, a mountain in hand, you cannot play the land war elf because it needs a forest to be played. Whereas in Battletech, the land war elf would have two costs. It would have the forest cost, and it would have the the cost of like two other things. So it's like, okay, you could either pay for it with one of one, um, you know, forest or two of anything else. So it, you weren't always screwed hunting for a particular land. There was a little bit of a, a cushion, you know, a little bit of leeway given to you if you can't draw correctly. And the, the, the battle mechanics were a little bit faster. Minions or creatures had mm -hmm. speeds, like the mechs had a speed. So a, a medium speed mech couldn't attack a, fast speed mech because it would okay. technically couldn't catch it but the yeah, fast speed mechs were typically weaker and you could attack your opponent's deck um which was their life source or you could attack their mechs or you could okay. attack you could also attack their lands which were cool and Ooh. then what was awesome about it is that you could put a mech as a guard for particular resources you have or your deck so if you had a slow mech usually your slow cool. tanks would guard your decks and then it, what's cool about it too is that the mechs had like standard damage and they had missile damage so missiles can mm -hmm. fire over things but you had to roll dice to see if the missiles would hit or whatever so i think that the combat for it was amazing i think that it was a, a in my opinion it's a superior game to magic but mm -hmm. it just didn't get the same blast off yeah. but it was a richard garfield game. but what i want to get at here is the fact that when you guys were talking about how you know when artifact came through and you guys were i don't say necessarily worried but it was a, it was on your radar when artifact was around i feel like gwent itself is a completely different game than everything mm -hmm. else i don't say everything else out there but there are very few games that can really disassociate themselves from the same framework that Magic has, that Hearthstone has, that Mythgard has, that uh, Legends of Runeterra has, that minion yeah. combat go face you know mm -hmm. kind of thing gwent isn't like that and that's why I, yeah. I i i feel like the appeal of gwent is always going to be it's an evergreen effect where it's never going away because it's always a different option does it appeal to everybody probably not but it is always a much different option than everything else yeah i think the lack of the mana system plus um the the provision system itself when it, when it comes to like balancing is, is also something unique uh, the limit of cards that you can have uh, in your hand also like I mean you have that in magic like you're limited to seven unless a card lets you have more than that but also the amount of cards that you're drawing between rounds plus I mean Gwen got so many changes throughout the years that I mean a lot of these things things kind of happened later than than, than in the beginning uh, but I always remember that you know uh, row limitations and stuff like that also something that was introduced later I mean we can unpack all these things and talk for for days about them but um, I think just 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 not having a mana system and being based off, off of just raw power would made total sense. And then we were kind of balancing things out, you know, having uh, the provision limits, having the you know uh, the amount of golds and you can have. We used to have silvers, now we don't. Uh, just just golds and bronze cards and stuff like that. So yeah, no go face, nothing like that. So you're not you're not doing damage in anywhere. You're pretty much who gets the the you know the the. The most amount of points the only damage you can do is to destroy other cards so your opponent doesn't get as many points as you do um but yeah i i feel like it's always been unique in its sense and um yeah i think it's just it just brought something different something that you, it's very hard to compare on anything else that was on the market 
Um, one card game which we got a lot of comparison to was Condottier, which was kind of like a board game based um, card game, which was f quite similar to um, what uh, Gwent is, but but a little bit different. But yeah, my favorite games um, of all time are ones that don't have the life the life total system uh, that are associated with it. I mean, Star Wars CCG didn't have a life total system. It yeah. wasn't a matter of that. It was about controlling territory. It was about having an edge in, in various one-on-one -on -one battles. Mm -hmm. There was a lot more intricate elements to it. Uh, Lord of the Rings TCG is, the more I, I review it and the more I look at it, I thought it was a beautiful game that really captured what Lord of the Rings was. Your objective is to get to get to Mount Doom with mm -hmm. Frodo surviving so that he could deposit the ring in. And every, every you go from site one to site seven or nine, is it? Uh, site nine. And as you're traversing, you're starting from the Shire where like it's basically very simple to go through. You go through Khazad-dum, uh, the Bridge of Khazad-dum in Moria. And then you're through to like Isengard and then you're through to Mordor. And like mm -hmm. as you're trekking through you're adding people to your troop you're getting allies you're equipping them but so are like the enemy is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and what's beautiful about this game was that you played both sides your opponent is also has their own fellowship as they're going and following you with their own fellowship and you so you're drawing like they're called shadow cards you're drawing shadow cards and fellowship cards so mm -hmm. Eventually, it's one of those situations like, am I ahead in the race or do I need to slow them down? Do I like yeah. get rid of my fellowship cards to bolster? So the strategy of it was beautiful. The 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 way that it was played was it wasn't a life total system. It was so strategic, but it felt like Lord of the Rings as much as Star Wars felt like Star Wars. Like it was the characters in Star Wars were so flavorful and like. The personas of Darth Vader, like there was a Darth Vader card mm -hmm. that could force choke and just kill nice. a weaker opponent. You had like a Han Solo was able to um, manipulate luck and dice rolls, so to speak. There were no dice rolls in mm -hmm. it, but you were able to get an extra shot at like a, a, an element of RNG, like a smuggler's luck kind of thing. And, nice. and you know... Um, Something like Leia would would have a, um, an ambient effect where all of your other leaders were stronger because of her like leadership, so to speak. So mm -hmm. it was beautiful in that regard, and it was very flavorful and true to the lore. And I feel like, I mean, I don't know much about Witcher, but Gwent to me, from a rule point, from a card game perspective, is so attractive because it 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 tears away from that typical framework. It always seems like whenever a card game is developed, it's always like, okay, so we're going to start with 20 life, right? And then where do we go from there? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't like that some card games are just trying to, like even from a visual standpoint, they're trying to be another card game and they don't they don't try to do something something different when it comes like to the gameplay, to the visuals, anything. Like it would be nice if you're bringing something fresh to the table instead of, uh, you know, trying to, to mimic what's already out there. Because I think like, you know, players who have something similar will more likely stick to that game instead of trying a new title, which might not appeal to them in terms of like the universe it's set or the art or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think also like if you're if you're really into card games, I think that the most important thing that you're kind of focusing on are, are the mechanics themselves and kind of how how the game plays, how it flows, um, and if you're having fun. Because I mean, if you're having fun and you're learning something, it's always it's always worth your worth your while. So, what would you um, say would be your like number one? Uh, like, if you were to rank like your top five ever, what would they be? Like for me, always MTG and Gwent will be the number ones. Gwent because I got to work on it. 
Um, I've got to be throughout the process for the last six years, like sitting and watching the game develop, uh, sitting and watching um, some mistakes which were made and also some good decisions which were made. Um, having my card in the game is just still something that I always consider as being incredible. It's, it's always something that I think about. Uh, so I don't take that for granted easily. Um, and Magic, just because that was the first card game that I really played. So it was like a first collectible card game. Um, so it kind of got me on the on the path. But um, I really also enjoy like deck building games uh, because, you know, me and Dominica, my wife, we can play it. Uh, we like play Star Realms, for example. Uh, we have this DC deck, deck builder game in which you uh, have like DC heroes plus equipments that you collect and then uh, you defeat the bad guys and you collect the bad guys and whoever has the most points at the end wins. So that's also something that we can play because she's very into board games and card games. So she's kind of introducing me to all these other card games because I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of like a stubborn um player when it comes like i'm not very big on board games and trying like new card games because i feel like already with with magic and gwent there's like too much already yeah i'm trying to add something on top of that so it's like I, I cannot focus on so many things at once um but yeah she she helps me like you know get into all these things which i which i haven't checked out and like star realms for example was cool i also play I used to play in that runner uh when it was a thing so i think that was also that that, that one had really cool gameplay with like the the ice in order to protect like specific cards and stuff like that. I think that was really cool. There's um, and then hacking and getting stuff. That was awesome. Th that's the uh, cyberpunk one, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I, I, I still no have cards for that one. No idea what the hell that was. Um, so it was actually mentioned to me recently, and I was like, oh, what is that? They're like cyberpunk. I'm like, oh. They have an awesome community, very passionate, and people were like petitioning for a long time for someone to like. I think Fantasy Flight was. Was the owner and then they closed it out at some point and people were like you know trying to get that to become a thing and i and i remember watching some of the tournaments that they had for that it was very very cool and very interesting and from a like gameplay perspective it was something totally different so yeah i know they had like a lot of uh people who were were you know very fond of the game and really liked it so it was a very passionate community around it so Dux is not around anymore because they had a lot of expansions and stuff like that and and, and when it comes to collecting cards they were pretty much condensed because you would just buy like expansion packs which featured all the cards which was easy right yeah just you know? get you get them all taken care of in one fell swoop and um yeah gwent for me is is certainly a top five all time for me it's again and a lot of this is just going to come from a theme the fact that it's just it's a unique in terms of what it does and the layers of strategy to it are very important the fact that it's three rounds means that there's there's opportunity to recover there's opportunity to be strategic in like in, in you know the the gwent uh, like intro videos or the, or the ads and the marketing videos that they send out. It's like, you know, um, have a strategic retreat or whatever, you know, like you have that kind of yeah. like lose, lose the battle to win the war, so to speak. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of that to it. Uh, my favorite game all time is, and I've mentioned this a thousand times, is Star Wars CCG. Nothing yeah, will ever capture me and engulf me in terms of strategy and whatever. Uh, there was a pocket of time where that game was, brilliant and then um you want to talk about power creep power creep just launched like when when the company that makes it called decipher when they lost their license for it they they their last set they had to make it attractive so they basically made like this set where every card was 
bonkers busted and legal nice. to play. So everyone needed to buy them in order to be able to continue to compete. Um, same thing happened with Lord of the Rings. When Decipher lost Lord of the Rings, they put out stuff. But like in the time when they were regularly putting out cards and balancing stuff and whatever, dear Lord, were those two card games, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, were yes. the absolute masterclass of how to create a unique card game. Um, after that, I think it's it's a tie for me of Gwent and Flesh and Blood. I think those two games are phenomenal. Um, Flesh and Blood d- dives into that framework of life totals Uh so it's a little bit different but the mana system how it's managed and the strategy and the to me what really attracts me to that as well is that every single hero that you play feels and plays very different from one another so if you're a if you can master one it doesn't mean that you can pick up another and be good with Uh it you're going to be back to square one so it's a very very skill Hmm. and practice intensive game and then obviously there's Gwent Gwent to me is it's 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 part of my fiber of my being right now i've played you know thousands and thousands of hours thousands and thousands of matches and i always feel like there's ways to improve and i always feel like there's an extra little layer that i can peel back to discover more about it and uh i'm always eager to to learn and to me uh though i'm not a competitor in the game i appreciate the highest level of this game though i've the high, like I, I can achieve the top two hundreds in pro rank, you know, uh-huh. when I put my time into it. But easy. I'm, I'm more, yeah, easy, not easy. You easy, come on, you're, you're a good card game player. You're just selling yourself short. Uh, <laughs> but I, to me, the, the joy comes in seeing how others figure out these layers, discover this new territory, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, I had a discussion most recently about um, watching some of the best players in the world and how they see things differently. And I remember. The story that I told, um, some of them were like magic, you know, like they're magic pros and whatever. And they're saying like, you know, you never seen a magic player until you've seen someone do this, 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 or this player do whatever. And I said, yeah, I had a moment like that at a broadcast when I saw somebody um, where Colomone went one around down two cards and (laughs) bled when it looked like it was like an absolute silly thing to do. But with all of Colomone's you know, poise, confidence, razor-edged focus. He bled down two cards and won that game. And I said, that is somebody that I'm, I'm, you know, I already knew that he was a great player, but that is just that extra little piece of respect yeah. that you throw at them. So uh, an amazing, yeah, amazing experience. incredible how they play the game. Like we, I feel like based off how I play any any card game, like I know, I know the basics, I know how to pilot it. But if you pilot something for such a long time and then you get, you know, a matchup which you know is not favorable, but you do something that your opponent does not expect, like the the, the amount of like um let's say flexibility that you can have with a with a given deck or a given archetype is just incredible. And I and I love that. And I love that about any card game. Like you can sometimes get out uh, of a of a bad situation with some weird place. And they actually stick and they work. It's like when you get that, it's like, oh my god, that felt so good, right? It's just incredible. It's gorgeous. All right, um, yep. we could talk about this as always for forever and ever. But there's um, just many card games that I think we both kind of tried and and played. Also, the ones that are digital and the ones that are just you know paper or, mm-hmm. or board gamey like. So um, those are also fun. Yeah. Just, so try everything. Try everything. Yeah, you never know what's gonna 
catch your your fancy as it were yeah. um there's a lot of hidden gems out there that are you know even if you just play them for a bit or casually again if you're getting a good uh, you know good feeling out of it by all means dive in um, if you're enjoying it play it yeah all right well in a, in a couple minutes we'll be joined by alias v tia and Seely to discuss a little bit of you know some important topics but before we do that we have the babcha marisha Polish word of the week. Yes, everyone's favorite babcha or adopted babcha. She would take you all in, by the way, absolutely 100% and feed you, feed you all. Uh, I have so many stories about food and my babcha, but uh, for now, that we'll save those for another day. Today's Polish word of the week, courtesy of Babcha Marysia, is kartofelki sma... sma uh, Say smajone. It. smajone. That's smajone. it. Yes, kartofelki smajone, and I know kartofelki, but you got to hit me up with a little kartofelki smajone here in a little context. Basically, again, we're all at Bapcha's house, playing outside. You know, dinner is in about two hours. We ate maybe two hours before, but nope, we need to be fed again. So seems legit. So she says, Mateusz, and I'm like, yes, Bapcha. So what does that mean? Tell, talk to me. Those are uh, pretty much uh, fried potatoes. Fried potatoes. Just um, because, the best. You know, us Polish people, we eat potatoes in, in multiple ways. Like they can be boiled, they can be baked. And sometimes when you have like boiled potatoes, like you boil them the day before or you bake them and then you want to eat them the next day and you want to, you know, like... Um, turn it up a little bit but they've i mean because they've already been boiled you just throw them on a pan put some olive oil or butter and just kind of you know uh, fry them up a little bit and uh yeah it's just like we love we love eating potatoes in multiple ways like we're we're, we're the land of uh um uh tabula uh, which is which is onions and um and 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 uh kartofla which are uh potatoes i love it I love it. Uh, yeah. it. It's basically what I used to eat all the time. Basically, uh, I um, I couldn't when I was very very young. I couldn't say kartofelki, so I used to call them lekkies. So I used to love Aww. corn and potatoes was like my favorite. So I used to call them cornies and lekkies. So I used to always Aww. ask my babcha for cornies and lekkies, and uh, that's and then yeah, kartofelki smazone was like the, the the best. And even to this day, when I go visit my parents in Montreal and I'm staying there for a couple of days. It'll be like, you know, 10 p.m. or something like that. And I'm on the couch with my parents just watching TV, relaxing. And my mom will be like, you hungry? I'm like, I mean, I could eat. She's like, I'm like, bring a bell, baby. That's the magic word. (laughs) Here we go. It was yeah. the best that or and my sister was always Nalashniki. My my sister loved Nalashniki. Oh, man. man, I'm a I'm a I'm a Nalashniki guy myself, and I love making them. I love making them. I have a daughter that she's seven. I I still love making Nalashniki for her, and she loves the, the the hell out of them. And I love making them because they're very easy to do. It's just a little bit of flour, a little bit of. Uh, milk and, and and one egg and that's it and you just whisk it up throw it on a pan like try to do them as, as thin as possible um just add a little bit of like um carbonated water so they get like bubbly so they're very air, air airy let's say oh uh, but still flat and airy and then like making those and those with like some good like homemade jam is just like mm, it's the best dude that is you got like the secret recipe you got like the cheat codes now for yeah, of course man. Yeah, i've you... made them for so many years and i love them and i love them and my daughter loves them so i know the recipe by heart yeah it's like you you got like the game genie for <laughs> for, you gotta, for you gotta, you know, 
But now they're sneaky. You know, you gotta you gotta hold your hold your own, man. All right, here's a little Bapchan Mutterchef food story before we uh before we go to the uh, the panel. Uh, so let's go. I used to go there once a week to cut my my Bapcha's grass, and um when I went there once, uh, and like I would usually go after lunch, so I had eaten, and uh so as I'm mowing the lawn, she stops me and she's like, "Do you want?" some food and i said well i'm like i'm not really that hungry she's like well come so i go inside and she's like do you want this and it was like a big steak but it was like a steak that was in the fridge that was like cooked to all hell and i'm like no 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 it's all good i'm, I'm fine i don't like i'm I, I like i didn't want it it was like a tough ass steak and i was like i'm all right it's fine she's like okay well if you want like let me know what you want and it's all good so i finished cutting the grass and i'm downstairs she's like let me make you something to eat she's like what do you want so she always had, like, when we were young, we used to love, like, Chef Boyardee. So she's like, mm-hmm. I should always have cans of Chef Boyardee. I'm like, well, just make me a can of Chef Boyardee, and that's what I want. I'm like, okay. So I, I'm watching TV downstairs, and she's like, okay, it's ready. And she comes and brings it to me. And the Chef Boyardee is on a plate. And the mm-hmm. pl- and I'm like, and it's, like, piled, like, really high. I'm like, oh, how many? inside. How many? ravioli can they shove in a can i was like absolutely i was like god damn okay not to mention i'm like all right and then i'm like why is there a knife like why is she giving me a knife i'm like okay so i go and i go to like grab one and i put my fork in and i pull out the entire whole steak that she hid underneath the ravioli and i go oh. upstairs and i'm like but i'm like babsha i i didn't i didn't want this and she's like and she she's like Oh, what's I? Where'd that come from? Like she's like she <laughs> pretended like she like it was in the can. Like she pretended like she she's like oh like I surprise. don't. She's like that. I make what you ask. I said, you sneaky bitch. Like how did you do that? Like it was you know it was Chef Boyardee, but with a little bit of you know protein in it. Just a little bit. No, she absolutely. Yeah, all, you can't be all carbs. Ravioli and sauce, man. It's got to get some meat in there. I thought I thought in the beginning when you were telling the story that she cut it up to like small pieces no, and kind no. of added it to it. No, no. She just, she just didn't even do that. Dude. She just put the whole thing and just, you know, flooded it with the ravioli. Oh, yeah. Gordon Ramsay, eat your heart out, man. She put like yeah. day-old cooked-to-hell steak hidden under a layer of Chef Boyardee and then and then played it off like she had no freaking idea where yeah came from so i don't i don't know i'm like all right all right calm down someone's gotta eat that and that was you yeah that was me all right that has been the babcha marisha polish word of the week courtesy of babcha marisha uh and uh yeah so no mailbag this week we do have a panel coming around the corner and our our sponsor this week pavel is Blue Jeans, Blue Jeans cafe and bar up in gdansk exactly. go check them out exactly Check them out. Yeah. Um, Flurza 15. We are yet to check them out. No. Yeah. Flurza 15 is the code. You might you might get something off or they'll just kick you out. Dude. Probably they'll just kick you out saying like, who are these people? Yeah. So they get out of here, you psychos. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Go check it out. Say Flurza 15. Say uh, Mateusz from Montreal and you will absolutely get looked at funny. But uh, we'll True. be right back, friends, with the panel instead of the Q&A. But promise you guys this is going to be worth it. We'll see you in just a second.
Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, as promised, we have a special segment on the Flurza podcast this time. We have lovely guests from around the world, like we're just talking. We're from from literally around the world. Uh, but yeah, two Canadians here, so um, uh, we're kind of, I kind of feel like we're, you know, uh, Poland is being underrepresented, but still. Um, we had a question last week uh, posted by Miss Aldona, um, and we wanted some specialists here on the topic. So um, we got this beautiful gang here. And the question was, hello, thank you for a wonderful show slash podcast. How do you think that is that there are no females in the Gwent tournaments? Despite many talented female streamers, it seems like only boys are willing to grind. Why do you think there is such a difference? So we have Alias, we have Celie, and we have Thea to answer this question. So whoever wants to start, take it away. Alias, you began with Gwent, right? And like a, a lot yeah. of this conversation also is the fact that it, it it's asking for more of a competitive scene. And um, I just want to preface this as well as the fact that Radu Andrada was in a top eight tournament. So there are, it's not like that as a, a threshold that hasn't been busted through yet. So, um, well, Alias, you you start us off because you started with Gwent as well, and you've you've moved on to Magic, and you're on a ma you're ma a Magic broadcaster, but you're also an excellent player. So let's go. Let's start with uh, with you, Alias. That's a bit of an oversell there, but thank you, friend. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was actually thinking about this this morning, and uh, I might go on a bit of a tangent here, so just feel free to rein me in whenever I've spoken too much. Um, but I think the the fact of the matter is that it comes down to people's perceptions of a game and a lot of the time people see things like card games, competitive esports, that sort of thing as a boys club. And you know, sometimes non-males just don't have the uh, the courage or the uh, support structure to get into a competitive scene. Like if you think about all the testing groups and stuff, they're predominantly male. Um, there's a couple in Magic now that have started up where they've got the female players and the non-binaries and uh, if, you know all the other marginalized genders joining in together to try and support each other. And I think that's in essence what needs to happen for there to be a shift in the makeup of these tournaments is there needs to be more of a support structure for these players to get in there and to you know get the get the support get the sponsorships get the teams together to be able to put as much time and effort in that we do see a lot of the the male players doing you know i think it's also a fair bit easier for them to be able to put off work and school and whatever else that they need to do to be able to focus their time and energies and efforts on that so you know it's it's not saying that there's a lack of good players far from it it's just there's these stumbling blocks that are in the way for them to be able to get to the same level that these guys are at. So, yeah, I think that's my first point in a bigger nutshell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have to totally agree. Like, looking from the perspective of actually working uh, with the community, like, there's there's a lot of, like, people who are instantly saying, like, oh, you cannot be playing this because you're a female. Like literally like this is what you're hit with which which totally doesn't make sense and of course um what i really don't like i mean there is this rule like if there's a hundred people there's like five people who will like you to bits there's five people who will hate you because um because of reasons or because uh, they don't know better or because they envy you or stuff like that and then there's 90 people who's like the silent majority which love what you're doing 
but the five people that are like super vocal are saying like no she cannot be doing this or and plus i think you also like whenever you see any like in, in games any any like female present instantly it's like no this is a boys club she shouldn't be doing this and uh, you, you know you get made fun of for i don't know the way you speak or the way you behave in yeah. front of a camera and it's just ugh, it always like bugs me so much and i and i hate it uh, because like you know, like I said, yeah, it's 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 just a boys' oh. club. But once yeah, someone actually, <laughs> yeah, but once someone like goes and breaks that barrier, and once you break that barrier, people are like, oh, she's actually doing an awesome job, and they kind of start thinking like, oh, you know, she's bringing a lot more to I don't know the cast or to the competition or whatever, and they start recognizing you. But before that, they're instantly like judging you, which is like the yeah. worst thing that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'd like to segue into, I guess, um, kind of what Bursha touched on, which is relatable role models and uh, inspiration, kind of idol type people. And Flake also mentioning Radu in the beginning here, uh, which is a little bit more Gwent related, I suppose. But um, I, I think once someone breaks that, once someone does it, that can inspire so many other people to do something similar that previously thought, oh, I can't do that. Like personally for me, I remember watching, um, I, I, was in, I was playing Gwent, but I wasn't part of the community, the online community yet. Uh, I watched um, Radu in the open uh, play against Freddy and she did so amazing that not long after that, I wanted to stream, I wanted to play even more. I wanted to try to get to pro rank at the time things like that. So um, yeah, it's a huge impact that people can have on other people. And in this uh, topic, we're talking about non-males as well to inspire other uh, parts yeah. of the player base. And just to add on to what you said there, sometimes I forget that I am not the norm in broadcasting or streaming or anything like that. Like for myself personally, I've never had an issue with jumping in and playing with the boys. You know, I grew up as a tomboy. I went and beat them up, that sort of thing. I played on boys' teams because I wanted to play cricket when I was in primary school, but there were no girls' teams, so I played with the boys and kicked most of their asses, right? Like, for me, I've never experienced that, oh, you're a girl, you can't. But I sometimes forget that other people aren't as lucky as I've been growing up. So, yeah, I sometimes forget that, you know, I, I have this innate responsibility to be a good representation for, you know, women in card games or esports or whatever, and to just, you know, show them that, hey, you can do it. Like, don't listen to the naysayers or the haters because they're small and pathetic and they couldn't even imagine doing what you're trying to do. So, yeah, I, th I think it is important for, for women in esports and gaming just to build each other up. You know, none of this petty bullshit squabbles, oh, you got more viewers than me or whatever, I don't know. You know, none of that crap. Uh, it's, it's, it's we need to work together to make us become the norm, you know, like the boys have been for so long. So, yeah. I can add on to that. Um, I also, f I, I agree with everything you're saying. I feel like it all stems from the same <clears throat> root cause, which is the fact that, I don't know, back in the day when the internet wasn't really a thing, boys were gamers and girls didn't really game. So I got a PlayStation 1 from my grandmother uh, for some reason, and I was hooked. But then oh, again, granny. yeah, yeah. <laughs> none of my female friends played games. So I had, uh, I wasn't friends with, uh, with the boys. So I had no context for what was the gaming world. I had none of that. I just did my own thing. 
And now as we became streamers, I saw that there's actually this huge community. And also for me, I saw Jagger's casting. I also saw um, the uh, female representation there in the top eight. And it was like, okay, there's a shot here for us uh, if we want to. And I think this will solve itself within the next decade, I hope, with all the young girls who see other girls now streaming, so they're playing games. But it's super important for us to at least open that way for them to make it seem like it's normal. And I feel the criticism from the small minority of guys. It's because there's so little female representation that they think, oh, well, why are you doing this? What what made you come here? You're not good at the game. It's because you're a girl, right? That's that's why you're casting. That's why you're... And that's why you're not good enough to play the game. But I also think there are just so little females in gaming right now. The chances of them becoming good at the game compared to the majority pool of male players is just statistically smaller. It's not that they lack you know skill per se it's just there are less of them competing so i think that's at least my theory um at this point in time there's a, there's a connection as well from the fact that there's a competitive aspect to it and just making a top eight and, and the question itself is is more so oriented towards the competitive landscape and why there's not many females in the competitive landscape but if we take a look at this there are so many females that are successful in the broadcasting element in the in the that you know part of it and and what if people need to understand is that if you're on the broadcasting element you're not necessarily focused too much on the competitive part but you still have to be a pretty damn good player to be doing what you're doing and this is one thing that i've always witnessed and it's always terrible and like i i've you know i have also faced a little bit of issue when it came down to when I replaced Mogwai uh, on the casting team, there was always that first initial pushback of who the hell is this guy? He's not what I'm used to, uh, blah, blah, blah. But I eventually break through that. But I feel like for 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 females in this industry, there's n that never goes away. And I've seen it with Jagaris and some of the criticism that she got. I see it with other people that this is unfair, immediate response that there's, there's that the way that these jobs are acquired are not necessarily through merit, they're through uh, quota. And I really yeah. want you guys to talk about that part as well, because I feel like this is a very important topic, because I have worked with Tia, I've worked with Seely, and I've worked with Alias. Alias and I, Alias used to do, um, I forgot what the name of that your magic tournament was, but you and I have casted magic together. The super spiffy tournament. The Ian. super spiffy tournament. That was one of my <laughs> first forays into casting magic, and her and I would cast those little events where we would side by side, and it would be great. And both of us were just having a good time, but Alias was really freaking good at what she did. Tia, really knowledgeable, really good at what she does. Celia always impresses me every single time that she's doing it. So people need to understand, like, once you get past that and just realize what the skill set is that you need to understand, it's not just that you have a good voice and that you could come up with fun puns and stuff like that. That's not the part. It's the fact that you have the knowledge of the game and you can go through. I am willing to believe that any one of these three uh, people here, not you, Pavel, sorry, uh, that put in the time can attain those types of levels it's just sometimes that's not what you want to do and i there is obviously a skew towards males in terms of just the the sheer amount of numbers from demographic perspective of so there's going to be more males that are getting there but it's not like there's talent that that the talent doesn't exist because we are here with three of the top in the world and that is, is inspiring in itself that's but i, I 
I just want to sort of maybe pivot the conversation a little bit from that perspective of the, some of the challenges you guys face as broadcasters and maybe some of the criticism that might be unwarranted. All right, let me let me add this one. <clears throat> right. So I kind of just fell into commentating. It wasn't a thing I was actively pursuing. It wasn't even on my radar. Wizards of the Coast decided, hey, let's just toss her into the booth and see what happens. I had no experience. Now, they're crazy for doing that. They've admitted that to me several times. They were like, yeah, we're lucky it didn't blow up in our faces. And, you know, I'm very grateful that it didn't because now I have a completely separate career, separate income stream, and a separate passion that when I am not interested in competing in the game, which is, a, you know, sometimes when the meta gets stale, we've all been there. That, for me, is another thrill. It's another thing to sink my teeth into and get better at every time. So I still don't know why they picked me. I'm happy they did. But the one thing that I never want anyone to assume is that I was picked because I'm a girl. And now that may well be in the case. And I have to prove every single time I'm on the broadcast that I deserve my seat. And I've done that for the past three years. I have been picked every single time to be in the booth. I am one of the go-tos for the magic commentary. And I am eternally grateful for that. But I know that I have to work my ass off far more than any other individual in my situation, you know, any other new commentator would have to because I have all that criticism coming at me. So the one thing I never want to have happen, though, in, in this situation, you know, trying to get more female representation in the games, I never want people to be thrown into a situation where they're set up to fail. That's why I'm hoping that companies, organizations, teams will invest in trying to trying to diversify things and to get them to the point where if they are invited to an invitational or something like that, like the Mythic Invitational that uh, Wizards of the Coast have done, that they are not just going to sink straight away, you know? We want good representation, we want to see good players, we don't want to see someone fail on the big stage. And that's just, that's just like harpooning something before it even gets a chance to, to go. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah, there's a lot of criticism, there's a lot of she's only there because she's female or she speaks funny or I don't know, whatever else has come up. Who cares? I don't know. You know, I'm past that point. Like I, I'm beyond that, but it takes a while to get a thick enough skin to deal with that sort of criticism. So it, it's just, it's a bit of a struggle, but you get there. Yeah. I also think that they chose you because I mean, you have amazing personality, great energy. Um, you like to make, you know, funny jokes and stuff like that. And I think that's, that those are the most important like criteria when, when choosing you. Plus you, you, you play the game so much, uh, at one time, I remember when you were transitioning from Gwent to MTG that you were so knowledgeable of everything that was going on. You were actually like playing nonstop and streaming it. So I think they just recognize it. But, but like you say, like, I think once you get on the team like you are under like a magnifying glass and it's by everybody and especially the community especially the people watching they are like the first one to jump gun and actually judge uh, what, what you're actually doing which is which is the worst and um i think that also like looking at what is happening thankfully this is shifting and i think companies are not doing this because yeah we should be you know having a, a female caster because that's kind of like we should be doing because they feel like pressure from outside coming in yeah. i think they're trying to understand that you know that we need this representation so others can feel like they can be also part of this community or can be part of esports and you know 
you know make a living out of this so it gives it gives you know it opens um the the, the gate here in the in this sense and, I, and also something similar that also happened in magic was um i think in 2019 uh the mythic championship was won by autumn burchette and uh you know this is the first trans night binary winner of of mtg and i remember i read the comments after that and people were so mean and so like not understanding but this is like, you know, some people are just like trailblazers that need to go and make a path so others can follow and they can feel exactly. included in that community. And it's super difficult because like some people have, you know, a strong personality and, you know, they will like go and, you know, go on and continue. But sometimes you get so much negativity like hitting you that you just feel like, okay, this is not for me and they give up. And that's kind of like the worst thing that you can do. So. Yeah, I mean, never, never give up. Just keep on going. I have a, such a specific example here that I just thought of. The, the quota thing yep, that you mentioned, Flake, it's it's also in Gwent, I've noticed. I don't know if you have, Seely. It's the weirdest thing, but sometimes I notice that because, Elias, there are two female casters currently in Gwent, which is Seely and I, and then there's a few males. But then you have these Reddit threads or you have people coming into chat and they will always directly compare us to as if it's either one or the other because there's only space yep. for one female. Exactly. And I'm yeah. always like, wait, why? we're not against each other here. We're, we're, why are you comparing the two of us? We're both, we can both cast. Like they, it just happens to be the way the uh, pairs are set up that it's normally only one at a time. But it's like then they have this whole Reddit thread about oh Tia's voice is this way and Spitzili's this way. It's like stop this. Why I don't yeah. go on Reddit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, stay, I stay away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's the weirdest thing. But yeah, I just keep telling them like this is not the case. It's, it's like you shouldn't be doing this like pairing females against each other. It's like I don't see that with Lionheart and a Spacey or Flake yeah. and Shen. Yeah. It's like yeah, guys will never get that. Females. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's weird. It's, oh, it's horrible. Hey, they're just comparing me 100%. and Shin. Be like, those are the two guys with glasses. We could only have one. What is this? <laughs> Plus, myself and Lionheart are both named Matt. So it's like, how many Matts are there going to be? Our Matt quota has been <laughs> exceeded by one hundred, like two hundred percent of our Matt quota has been has been achieved. So I, I find that's a, like really unfair as well. And like to to speak to what Alice is saying, like I mean, if you don't go to Reddit, how how else are you going to know you suck? Like, there's no other way. So, but it, it's true, and I think that this is some kind of. Uh, uh, to a degree as well it's just it's an unfair assumption and like where you're thinking it's like well she's on there because she's a woman well is she or is she just a really fucking good gwent player who also presents the game in a very uh gripping way creates great narratives for what's going on as well um I like to think that I was hired because of my talent. And I think that when it comes down to the entire industry, that's how I believe everybody should be basically measured and weighed yeah. is on their talent and, and, and merit and, and such. I mean, experience obviously plays into it as well, but that can be developed. And like you said, Alias, where, you know, they roll the dice on you, but it's not like you didn't have any practice. Let's be real. You and I cast together. You have experience of presenting particular games because you stream them and that in itself plays into it so all and i see it all the time on reddit and that's a, part of it that's really disappointing is that why are you not talking about the fact that let's say tia saw this play three turns in, a, in advance and called it exactly because in all honesty it's i feel sometimes it's unfair when i make a prediction i say like he's gonna do xyz because yada 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 it seems unorthodox but this is really the best line of play and then it happens and somebody might say like 
wow, that's a really great read by Flake. But when someone else does it, when, you know, why are you not getting the credit for that exact same thing? Because I've seen it. I've seen Seeley call those plays. I've seen, I've casted Seeley's matches in some of like the Gwentfinity tournaments. And I see something, I'm like, holy Moses, how do you do that? Like, how did you play? Like, Seeley took kicked ass and took names and like it was just like it was like another Tuesday it was like nothing happened and I witnessed this and it really kind of bothers me that the same kind of appreciation and respect that I might get for my talent uh is not necessarily reflected it the same way as everyone else and I and and that kind of it bothers me to a degree because I mean, everybody, like, I'm in the same regard that I'm in awe of how Shinmiri can see the game. I'm in awe of how other people can see it. And uh, Shinmiri is is revered, rightfully so, as, like, this Gwent deity because he's so great at it. But, there, you know, his level of, of, of analysis of the game, it, it's not unique to him. Other people have it. And I've seen you know, degrees of that kind of understanding of the game in all of you. And like, it, but you don't get the same respect and it can kind of, it, it, like, I would imagine that for you guys, like, how do you cope with that? How do you deal with the fact that you are getting, you know, you're not getting the respect you deserve for the reasons you, you deserve them? It can be, it can be definitely frustrating. Um, I was going to go for another pretty specific example that can happen when I'm streaming sometimes and you feel like you're under that kind of a magnifying glass or whatever, uh, is that sometimes when I build decks, I run them by pro players in my teams um, that potentially are also streamers. So then I ask, okay, is there anything I can change? Do you like this? Would you recommend something else? And we go through it together and come up with a deck that I'm like, yay, I want to take this first spin. I'm going to play it on stream. And when I play it, there's always someone wanting to like pick it apart and be like, oh, is this really what you should be doing? You should do this and you should do that. And you should add in this card every like so many times. And I guarantee you that if the person that was with me and built the deck and helped me would be streaming that deck, the exact same deck, they would not be getting any of those do this, do that, do this, this kind of like backseating vibe that is like really common. And that's sometimes when I get a little bit frustrated on on, on stream and I'm like, what do I have to do for people to take me serious? And what do I have to do for people to also respect some of my views as like a deck builder and a player and all of that? Like, yeah, it's just kind of frustrating. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter recently, um, there's a G4 TV host, her name's Frosk Huren. I'm not entirely sure how to say it, but she had an excellent rant on the show recently, speaking about exactly what you're, you're talking about, where the same script writers, you know, a lot of which are female, some males in there too, give each host the same script to read from, so there's nothing separate or special or anything unique about what they're given. They're just given the same script. They're given their lines to say, yet people will always go after her because of how she's delivering and how she's saying it. Um, I, I'm going to send the link to Flake and he can maybe stick it in this the description if you guys want to go see it. But mm -hmm. it's just such a good, you know, middle finger to everyone who does that sort of thing. You know, it's these it's these naive, uneducated individuals who think, oh, because it's not a white male doing it, it's not right. You know, and those kinds of people, oh, I just, I, I don't have time for them. And, you know, you're talking about uh, getting respect and, and uh, the, the, the kudos you deserve. Uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point where I understand that the only respect or, or admiration or whatever, or, you know, good job, Ailey, that I need 
is from the people that are hiring me and the people that I'm working with. Those are the two most important things. Sure, it's nice to have the, the, the fans going like, yeah, you did a great job, whatever. I love that. I, I really do enjoy that. But it's not the be all and end all if someone comes after me for something else. So yeah, I, I care about who I'm working for and who I'm working with. I mean, you guys. Yeah, no, I mean, like it's a, it's a, that I wrestle with that myself as well sometimes, you know, and that's what, that's ultimately that's what it is. It's like, you know what? And like you said, like, just don't go on Reddit and don't read that stuff because ultimately <laughs> a lot of it is garbage. And I don't want to keep sort of circling back and, and, you know, picking, picking apart Reddit because there's a lot of positivity that gets thrown yeah. our way from there as well. So it's unfair to not recognize that there's a lot of, of pumping of tires that occurs there and a lot of people that sort of lift you up. But, but it's hard to find it. Like, it's also hard to get, like, we're all content creators. We want criticism, but constructive. Like, we want to learn. We want to get better. We want to be better at whatever we're doing. And it's hard to, to find this. And, like, you need to go through the weeds in order to pull out something, like, that is good, right? That you can actually learn from. But I think, like, the like what Alia said, like, validation for yourself. Like, I know that I'm doing a good job. Or I know I made a mistake. I should correct that in the future. Or... You know, I, I know that maybe I missed some plays, but I'm going to get better. And, you know, having that for yourself, I think, is the most important thing, because if you're OK with yourself, then you're pretty much, you know, and then, you know, the, the higher ups or the people who hire you for the job or um, who maybe are casting with you, who you can learn from are kind of the people, you know, that you can get some some, you know, good pointers and also, you know, learn from. And if they're happy, then you should be happy. But going to like the, the the whole community part of it, like you will have people who will, you know, give you the thumbs up, but there's a lot of people who are just gonna give you shit for, for no apparent reason, just because That's they feel good. like they can and it's like they should. Well, it has been quite the discussion so far. I think that uh, we have really, honestly, a panel here of of professionals. Frankly, I mean, and you know, just we'll, we'll we'll sort of wrap this up with a little bow to say that you know what you might not necessarily see as many as much female representation as you might want from the competitive aspect of the scene. It's not that they're not out there, but let's just take a look at what where there is wonderful female representation who are doing amazing things. And like one of them is just, all the, there's three right here. And this is something that you need to understand is a lot of the times, uh, like Pavel mentioned about me, if I wanted to, I could probably qualify for one of these if I put the work in, but I don't want to. This is what I want to do. And oftentimes that this is what uh, is the best way to sort of translate our passion and our talent into something that we can really enjoy and love. And to me, grinding a ladder is not something I enjoy. Uh, and this is something I enjoy. So um, I think we'll, we'll wrap up this discussion and, and maybe do some parting shots here and uh, go around the horn here one more time and just, you know, just wrap up with a final thought here and just, uh, I guess, say say a little good. I don't want to say say goodbyes because uh, that seems so like <laughs> finality because I know that probably next week I'm, I'm, I'm swinging by your house, Alias, and picking up a barbecue. Better. Yeah, so uh, you know, little little side note here. Uh, we we're talking about uh, uh, friends and, and and appreciation or whatever. Ever since I met Alias, every year or two, she moves further and further away from me, which is hilarious. We used to be like practically neighbors, and then every year she go. It's like she adds an extra fifty kilometers away from like where we where she was, and and uh, yeah. So um, that will well, you forever can be a bit much, you know. Oh, I get it. I absolutely get it. I totally get it. That's why people like to be Tia. Fair, to yes. Be fair, I've offered to fly him 
to come and visit us and stay in our spare room. So it's, oh, it's wow. fine. What's funny is that's, still gonna see you. that spare room used to actually just be the flake spare room where forever I wanted to just sort of live there. And now it's like, well, if you want to come, you got to give us a little bit of advance notice. But this is why people like Celia and Tia uh, can tolerate me and are, and are nice to me is because there's, <laughs> there's a literal ocean between us. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't have to worry about possibly randomly bumping into me somewhere at like the grocery store or something where I'll be like, hey, and they're like, oh, crap, Jesus. Just, <laughs> all right, around the horn one more time, alias uh, parting shots and, and where people can follow you. Hi, I'm Ailey. I commentate Magic the Gathering and I stream it pretty darn regularly. And I'm, I'm playing Elden Ring at the moment, which is crushing me, but it's fun. Uh, if you like Cards, Cats, Commentary and Commander, which is a magic format and it's the best one there is, come hang out. You can just Google me, alias V, you'll find me. Nicely done. Pavel, we don't need to talk about you. We know yeah, you. Yeah, we don't need to talk about me. I just want to say that whoever is watching and um, whoever asked this like question, uh, like pretty much, I just want to know that just do 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 what you love. And if you're having fun, if you're enjoying it, and if you want to be a caster, if you want to be a pro player, if you want to be a streamer, just go for it. Do it. Don't listen to like people telling you no. Don't listen to dudes telling you you shouldn't be here you should be here if it's if it's what you love and what you enjoy and just like yeah don't care about don't don't care about the noise get be above the noise that's it for me beautiful beautiful that's uh i mean wise words uh, people always say like anybody could do that so do it go do it go do it because we're doing it and we're having a great time Sealy. <laughs> I've said this before. I've said this publicly. Uh, you are an absolute assassin when it comes to Gwent, and it's it's scary how good you are. And uh, <laughs> you have translated that into a successful uh, casting career, so I'm always a big fan. Uh, um, and I hope that we could put our ugly first encounter behind us, where I went to go sit at your table, and you said, get lost, you scrub. As, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm paraphrasing. You did not. I listened to this conversation. You be nice. <laughs> yeah nice. so something like that happened uh definitely i was terrified when i saw flake and his arcus for larry hats it was just so terrifying that i couldn't do anything else but you know tell tell him to oh, high school memories flashing back. <laughs> no. all right party shot ceiling <laughs> all right i want to do um just or, i want to say Thank you to all of the the new streamers that we have in the Gwent community. We have a lot of awesome new, uh, especially female representation that has kind of popped up uh, really frequently in that, uh, like Taya said, uh, also, you know, in the future, I think we'll see a lot more of those, uh, maybe more esports uh, players even uh, for Gwent, which is really fun. So I want to appreciate all of those new streamers. And it's so fun seeing that the community is getting bigger and better. Yeah, the more the merrier. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you're, you're not wrong. And finally, Tia. Tia, who's also uh, lots to celebrate for you, Tia, because I believe that you've also not only kick-assed Gwent and commentary, but uh, academically as well. You've really, uh, you know, put yourself on the map there. So uh, tell us a little bit about that as well as uh, with your parting shot, because I think people want to just celebrate the fact that you're not just a big brain in Gwent. You're also a big brain in a lot of other things. I want to study the brain to be specific. <laughs> um, yeah, well, September, I'm going off to Scotland to do neuropsychology and, you know, dissect a few brains. I find it interesting. I, I'll, I'll see if it's for me. But um, yeah, and I, I, I wanted to say the exact same thing as you, Siri. Like, I, I didn't, I, I thought I was imagining it, but there are literally more female streamers 
popping out everywhere in Gwent, and it's so cool to see. And I think one of these days we'll see like almost just as many females potentially, and some of them in the esports scene. So, yeah, that that makes me super happy. And if female representation higher up makes a difference at all, that makes me happy as well. I know it did for me. I know it did for Celia as well, as she said. So. Yeah, and I'm personally very happy in Gwent. Just if anybody watches this, like CDPR is working very hard to actually include a lot of people in Gwent and make sure there's space for all of us. So uh, yeah, I'm very grateful to be a part of it as well. It's it's good on the inside, <laughs> at least. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being on the show and for you know contributing to this conversation, which uh, I felt was best done and most responsibly done with uh, a very inclusive and and broader uh, you know outlook here. So cheers to everybody else. I'm going to end the show as I do every single week by saying, actually, this is a. a Usually it's just that and I love you too, uh, Pavel, but I love all of you. So I love you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. We love you too, man. Yeah, we love you. All Thanks, right. You're pretty cool too, Bridget. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Toss it in there. That's not in the script at all. Uh, friends, don't forget you're not losing if you're learning. Submit all your questions to the Flurza podcast. We'll go back to the standard uh, rotation of, uh, oh, I said that word. Oh, my God. I'm going to get crucified. Uh, rotation then went. <laughs> of, uh, of Q&A next week, friends, on the Flurza experience. We'll see you next time, friends. Bye. Bye. Bye.